Hey everybody, welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of the Glendale Road Church of Christ. I'm Stephen Hunter, the preacher of the Glendale Road Church of Christ, and I hope you're ready for this episode of Digging Deeper. Now, if you were to search Google and type in churches near me, you'd see various names. But when you read the New Testament, many of those names don't appear in Scripture. So the question is, why are there so many churches? And this is a monumental question. Many people believe one church is as good as another. From my reading of the New Testament, I only want to be a part of the church that Jesus promised to build in Matthew 16:18. So we ask the question, does that church still exist to this day? And I believe it does. But we have to be careful not to allow the Church of Christ to become something other than what it was in the day of the inspired apostles. Shortly after Jesus ascended into heaven, he baptized them in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in languages for which they hadn't been trained. They performed many miracles and established churches along the way. And what we read about those churches you can see in the scriptures. So first of all, Acts 14.23 And after they had appointed elders for them in each church, with prayer and fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they had come to believe. Also, Titus chapter 1, verse 5. I left you behind in Crete for this reason, so that you should put in order what remained to be done, and should appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, there are typically three if you will, uh, words that are translated, and they're used interchangeably of this office of elders. There is the word elders, which is presbyteros. We get our English word presbyterian from that. There is also uh, episkopos, which we get uh, our English word episcopal from. Uh, episkopos is usually translated as bishop or overseer. And then there's poimen which is translated as shepherd or pastor. So elders are elders, they're bishops, they're overseers, they're shepherds, they're pastors. This isn't necessarily a description of a preacher, though it can be, it isn't. So when I talk to people and they call me pastor, well, I know what they mean, but I'm really not, biblically speaking, a pastor. I would probably be considered more of a servant, a minister, or a deacon, if you will. And I'll, uh, I'll flesh that out here in a second, but let's stick with elders in the time being. So some of the functions that we see regarding them in the New Testament is Acts chapter 11, verse 30, they distributed collected funds to those who had needs. Now, I'm not going to read all these passages, but I will cite them for those listening. They also, in Acts 15, verses 4 and 6, they consulted and resolved doctrinal issues. As a matter of fact, when you read about the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15, it wasn't one of the apostles that made the final decision. It was actually one of the elders or one of the bishops of the church in Jerusalem. And Acts chapter 20, verse 17 and verse 28, as well as 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, they were pastors and overseers. James chapter 5 verse 14, they attended to the sick with prayers and the anointing of oil. So elders are given in the local churches and obviously they are under the authority 
in those days of the apostles and the prophets. Now, we no longer have apostles and prophets today, so the highest local authority that we can see deriving from the scripture is from the scriptures are the elders of the church. Now, there's never just one, there's multiple. Because if you just had one, you would have kind of a monopoly on power. And so this is kind of how we operate. And when people talk about different things, uh, you know, because their particular pastors in their different churches, they do X, Y, and Z. Well, in the Church of Christ and in my role, I may only do X. And Y and Z is what the elders oversee. So we see elders in the church that are appointed by the apostles. And we also see deacons. Uh, diakonos is the Greek word translated, and deacon is the transliteration of that Greek word. But deacon can be interpreted or translated as servant or minister. We see the first appointment of deacons in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In verse 2, they were to wait on tables. Literally, they were to deacon tables. So once they were appointed, we see two of them, Stephen and Philip, becoming evangelists in their own right. And whenever deacons appear in the New Testament, they're often paired with the elders. For example, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, there's the bishops and the deacons. 1 Timothy chapter 3, if anyone aspires to the office of a bishop or overseer. And a few verses later, there's the mention of deacons. So when we often think of Timothy as a preacher, here's what's interesting. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he says to Timothy, If you put these instructions before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Now the word translated servant is diakonos, the same word that is given about deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. So, um, we think of Timothy as a preacher, but Paul refers to him as a deacon. And we separate the two, but still they weren't two different things in the New Testament. So when you look at my role, I would be more suitable to be given the title of deacon uh, or, or servant or minister. Uh, whereas those in 1 Timothy 3, they would also, those deacons would also be recognized as such. I know sometimes that um, in certain traditions, the deacons are over the church, but that's not necessarily how it's played out in the New Testament. So, we look at the deacons, we look at the elders, and here we see the local structure for the organization in the church. Now, over 15 years ago, I was bothered by the various churches. I mean, after all, we all have the same Bible, so why don't we have the same name and worship and so forth? And so what I concluded is that if what we teach is how it was in the day of the apostles, surely we'd see that reflected in history too. So I asked one of my mentors this question, and he recommended a book to me. The author is Everett Ferguson, and the title of the book is Early Christians Speak. There are actually two volumes of this book, volume one and two. Volume one's where I began. So this book explains the New Testament teaching on various topics, but also shows the continuity from the New Testament to early Christian literature. And the author also shows at what point in time things began to change. So for example, there is a writing in the first century dates to 
sometime, I, I believe it's dated sometime between the year 50 and 60 AD. It's called Didache, and uh, the longer title is The Teachings of the Apostles. We don't know that they actually wrote that, but it may have been written by some of their followers to preserve their teachings. So in Didache, chapter 15, verse 1, says, Therefore appoint for yourselves bishops and deacons worthy of the Lord, men meek and not lovers of money, and truthful and proven, for they also rendered to you the service of prophets and teachers. So you see the correlation between what the bishops and the deacons do and also the prophets. You go a little bit later, uh, verse, uh, a letter called First Clement, chapter 42, verse 4, written sometime between 68 and 75 A.D. First Clement 42, verse 4 says, The apostles, preaching both in the country and in the towns, appointed their firstfruits to be bishops and deacons for future believers when they had tested them by the Spirit. So you see also bishops, deacons, uh, bishops, deacons in Didache and First Clement and Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. That's how it reads as well. Now there's this one Christian who is called Polycarp. Polycarp was actually a disciple of the Apostle John and he wrote a letter to the Philippians in verses 5 and 6. Now he wrote probably between 135 and 137 A.D., and here's what he says. Deacons must be blameless in the presence of God's righteousness as servants of God and Christ and not of people. The elders, for their part, must be compassionate, merciful to all, turning back those who have gone astray, always aiming at what is honorable in the sight of God and of people. So again, we see that twofold office of elder and deacon. One final um, work that I'll read from is called The Shepherd of Hermas. Uh, written probably around 150 A.D. He says, You will read yours in this city with the presbyters, that is elders, who lead the church. Now, he also later mentions bishops, and he mentions bishops in plural appearing alongside deacons. So in the first century, even into the second century, there were portions of the church that they had elders and deacons in the local congregation. So when did all that change? Well, changes began among a network of churches addressed by Ignatius of Antioch in somewhere between A.D. 108 to 117. Now, I'll give the caveat that Ignatius was also a disciple of the Apostle John, but you will see that he has a different take than what Polycarp did. So, in his letter to the Magnesians, he wrote, Since then I have had the privilege of seeing you through Damas, your most worthy bishop, and through your worthy presbyters Bassus and Apollonius, and through my fellow servant, the deacon Sotio, whose friendship may I ever enjoy, inasmuch as he is subject to the bishop as to the grace of God, and to the presbytery as to the law of Christ. So, Ignatius is the first point at which we see the threefold structure of leadership the bishop the deacon uh, excuse me the bishop the elders and then the deacon and this is played out in um, in several other letters for example Ignatius's letter to the trillions he says for since you are subject to the bishop as to Christ it's therefore necessary that as you indeed do so without the bishop you should do nothing but should also be in subject to the presbytery, that is, the eldership. 
as to the apostle of Jesus Christ, who is our hope, in whom, if we live, we shall at last be found. It is fitting also that the deacons, as being the ministers of the mysteries of Jesus Christ, should in every aspect be pleasing to all. So, again, the threefold order of bishop, elders, and deacons. One last quotation from Ignatius, his letter to the Smyrnans, Smyrnians, excuse me. He says, See that you all follow the bishop, even as Jesus Christ does the Father, and the presbytery, the eldership, as you would the apostles, and reverence the deacons as being the institution of God. Let no man do anything connected with the church without the bishop. Let that be deemed a proper Eucharist, which is administered either by the bishop or by the one to whom he is, a, he is entrusted. Now, just so you know, the, um, the term Eucharist, uh, Eucharisteo is a Greek word. It means giving thanks. And many traditions refer to the Lord's Supper, the bread and the fruit of the vine, as the Eucharist, uh, or a Eucharist, something you give thanks over. So that's probably what he had in mind there. But the quotation goes on, Wherever the bishop shall appear, there let the multitude of the people also be. Even as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. And by the way, this is the earliest mention of the Catholic Church. But Catholic is Catholicos. Its uh, Greek term means universal. So he didn't have in mind the Roman Catholic Church as what we see today. Okay, reading on. It is not lawful without the bishop either to baptize or to celebrate a love feast, but whatsoever he shall approve of, uh, that is also pleasing to God, so that everything that is done may be secure and valid. So again, in his letter to the Smyrnians, to the Trillians, to the Magnesians, Ignatius of Antioch is the one who gives this threefold structure of bishop, elders, and deacons. But earlier writings in the first century attest to elders and deacons, or bishops and deacons. Um, let's see, Jerome, who was a 4th century scholar, he wrote this, and I find this very interesting. The presbytery is the same as the bishop, and before parties had been raised up in religion by the provocations of Satan, the, church, the churches were governed by the senate of the presbyters. Remember, presbyter is elders. But as each one sought to appropriate to himself those whom he had baptized, instead of leading them to Christ, it was appointed that one of the presbyters, elected by his colleagues, should be set over all the others, and have chief supervision over the general well-being of the community. Without doubt, it is the duty of the presbyters to bear in mind that by the discipline of the church they are subordinated to him who has been given as their head. But it is fitting that the bishops on their side do not forget that if they are set over the presbyters, it is the result of tradition and not by the fact of a particular institution by the Lord. So as we see in the New Testament, there are elders and deacons. And we see that even in Christian literature in the first century that's not inspired. But when we get to the second century, well, we even see elders and deacons in some writings, uh, Polycarp that is, but Ignatius is the one who gives us the threefold order of bishop, elders, and deacons. Now, Jerome, who lived in the 4th century, he is essentially saying the elders are the bishops. And that when, in the course of history, the elders would elect one of their own number to be over them as bishop, 
that was a result of tradition and not because it was an institution of the Lord. So, when you look at your church, as we look at ours, we ask the question, do we have elders and deacons? Or, remember, elders, pastors, shepherds, bishops, overseers are terms interchangeable of the same function. We just simply refer to them as elders. Do we have elders? Do we have deacons? I would be considered a number among the deacons, a uh, preacher, uh, excuse me, a servant or a minister. I believe scripture teaches the humility of not having one person in charge. But many brethren were chosen to serve the church in various capacities. When the church builds off of the personality of one person, they're making a celebrity, and this detracts from the headship of Christ. It's the church of Christ, not a cult of personality. So Jesus should be forefront. God should receive the glory. Any of the church's servants must remember the words of John the Baptist. I must decrease. He must increase. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions or any suggestions for episodes, feel free to contact us. I hope you have a blessed day.